0: Welcome! Welcome, St. Louis City fans, to another fun-filled episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios deep in the bowels of Southern Illinois is a man who knows right from wrong, mainly because they're spelled differently. It's producer Mason. How are you doing this week, Mason? Uh, pretty good. I'm still working on right and left. Haven't figured those ones out yet. But they're spelled the same, so... You'll have to figure out your own device to remember that, and also joining us somewhere in the uh bowels of uh West St. Louis County in his studio cave is a man who worked hard during this uh, off season with reports saying he's come into preseason podcasting camp in quote, in the best shape of his life.
1: How are you doing, Sean Campbell? Oh, I'm doing just fine being called a liar. <laughs> we all know i've done absolutely no prep work i've done less work than gareth bale did these last four years but reports are saying you are still still in the best shape of your life but i do hope you're on your a game because the team is counting on you this season i'll do my absolute best and you know maybe if i do well enough i'll get that uh sweet sweet podcaster dp money
0: yeah you can tell he's on his A-game because he gave us a thumbs up in an audio podcast. Works well. All right. Looks like we're ready to roll. <laughs> and uh, one thing we do have to mention that uh, Chris isn't with us. It appears as if he's taken a knock. Uh, he's just going to sit out for something temporary. He'll be back to training soon. Day by so day. Hope you I believe the technical soon, term
1: is upper body injury day yeah. by day. Yeah. He, he, he's day to day and, well,
0: aren't we all? And uh, it's a shame he's not here because we got a big, 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 big show coming up. Well, we've also got uh, some special guests who'll be joining us for a little bit here during the show. And we'll get to them a little bit later. But first, we do have some news about our club, St. Louis City SC. And the first one off the bat is kind of a, you know. Uh, an open secret that was out there, but uh, it is official and been confirmed. Indiana Vasilev has officially signed with St. Louis city SC from Aston Villa. He's an attacking midfielder and a winger. He's got a two year deal through 2024 with uh, options for both 2025 and 26. Terms of the deal are not known at the time of our recording. Uh, If you remember, City picked him in the expansion draft, even though he was simply on loan to enter Miami from Aston Villa, and uh, Lutz on the uh, streaming podcast through MLSsoccer.com had hinted that um, he had, you know, done some homework and was feeling pretty confident they could get a transfer and get the rights obtained from Aston Villa, and, well, he was right on that. Vasilev has played the last season and a half on loan with Inter Miami and MLS. He had five goals, no assists, in 45 appearances and 1852 minutes in MLS. Uh, he did play. I had four appearances with Aston Villa in Premier League action, uh, mainly during the 2019 and 20 seasons. So that gives him, you, you know, some actual playing time. Not a lot of minutes, but. Uh, He did appear in the Premier League, and he will only turn 22 uh, in February. Uh, He's 21 at this time. Former U.S. Men's Youth International from Savannah, Georgia. uh, Also has Bulgarian citizenship. As he uh, speaks Bulgarian, his parents were Bulgarian, so he has strong ties to that. But he has been in the U.S. uh, system in the past. A, uh, A bright young talent perhaps a developing talent. Uh, what do you guys think? Is this is he really going to be a, a impact player here in the first season, or are we looking at more like he was with Inter-Miami as a depth and especially a late-game substitution uh, option for Coach Bradley Carnell?
1: The way I see it, I definitely think he's going to be more of a depth guy this first year, um, unless he absolutely wows on the training pitch and they decide to give him a shot if someone, you know, Goes down with injury and then, you know, comes in, blows the doors off. I, I don't, I, he's, he's just still so young. Um, he's got a lot of upside and I definitely think he has a real chance to actually progress pretty quickly, especially, you know, coming from Aston Villa where they, it's Premier League. They've got great academies over there, regardless of what team you're coming from, to be quite honest. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely see this as a depth signing for the start of the season. And, you know, he's going to give us some good minutes, especially if we get into, you know, cup ties and things like that. He'll definitely get some minutes there. Uh, but I don't see any regular playing time just this year. Maybe maybe give it a year or two before we see him being an important part of this lineup.
0: Yeah, it, it and he was an important part of Inter Miami within the grand scheme of the entire squad. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe it's something of uh, he played uh 45 had 45 appearances in a possible 48 matches. So they relied on him at Inter Miami to do what he could for the team, and that'll give you an idea of uh you know, the options and his value, uh, getting that many appearances in MLS action. Uh, it certainly can't hurt to have somebody of his talent, his experience, uh, still available for development, but also has already accomplished some things in both of the Premier League and in MLS. So his signing and being confirmed was something we were looking forward to really fills out the depth chart. It's a shame he's not a center back because we got some bad news in regards to that. Uh, The Post-Dispatch's Tom Timmerman uh, reported recently that uh, Joachim Nielsen is going to be out until at least May. He underwent knee surgery in December in relation to his injury that he suffered with the Swedish national team uh, late last season after he had already signed with City. Uh, John Bell uh, another possible option its center back is recovering from sports hernia surgery and has not been training yet. So right now, the left center back position where we expect Nielsen to play uh, would possibly be filled by Kyle Hebert and Josh Yarrow. They're the ones taking the reps in camp. Uh, Yarrow, of course, does have MLS experience back in those days with Philadelphia Union after he was the second overall pick in the Super Draft back in the day uh Hebert had performed extremely well from city two and earned his contract with the first team um uh, this is a big hit though i was really uh talking up uh, how uh the spine and the core of the team was going to be in the back with Berkey, with Nilsson, and uh with tim parker uh was really going to be the backup this is going to leave us a little thin at the beginning of the campaign but uh, what
1: what can you do Yeah. I mean, this is what depth is for, right? This, this is why you need more than one or two guys at any given position in case you have, because otherwise you only need like 13 players. Um, but no, having such solid options in Yarrow and Hebert at, at center back definitely sets us. I think that sets us up to be. Not great, but I think I think we'll do just fine while we're out um, the other two center backs while they're recovering from their respective injuries. And
2: John Bell is expected back soon. He should be ready to go at the start of the season. He just hasn't made camp yet because he's finishing that recovery, but he doesn't have too, too early long left on that. Nilsson
0: is out for a while. Yeah, and we were wondering when he was going to come back, how long this knee injury. It was not reported early on that it was something to to drag on. But apparently, rest and relaxation never really got it healed up, so I had to take the drastic uh, uh, step of going to surgery back in December. It was just finally broke as news this past week, though, to us.
2: Yeah, my understanding is basically that either his recovery wasn't advancing the way they wanted it, or he had some kind of a setback. So that's why it went with the surgery. This was kind of. It seems like from reading what uh, Coach Carnell said that this was kind of a um, a last minute decision and wasn't really in the plans when they uh, when they signed him.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I definitely think they they contemplated surgery a little sooner than rather than later on this one because it is off season time. So.
0: Yeah, there was a couple of interesting little nuggets in this article by Tom Timmerman. One of them, Bradley Carnell, was at talking about how uh, they've got the pieces to fill in, whether they play four in the back or uh, three in the back. Um, Someone's been listening to me.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: so it's good to know he's not locked into uh say, the positions that we saw with uh, City 2 on that. And uh, another little nugget that he dropped in that article was... This is something that could prolong Nielsen's career by having his knee cleaned up, was the term that was used. Uh, that sounds a little more serious than just cleaned up to me, but I don't have details. And I, despite many things, I'm not an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> so I'm willing to practice I on one, you I, if anybody's willing. I, I'm not an orthopedic surgeon, I just play one on a podcast. <laughs> That's right. (laughs) Orthopedics Today is our new podcast we're going to be putting out. (laughs) So that's the bad news. And that's kind of a rough hit for the early season as a young club team that hasn't really, you know, had a MLS game together is going to go out there without one of the leading lights and someone we were really kind of counting on, though we hadn't seen him play in colors yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm, there's a
2: little bit of an upshot to this though, which is that we're probably going to see a lot more minutes from John Bell than I originally expected. And I'm interested to see what
0: he's got. That'll make Sam Minton of the Benton Musket happy because he's the one that was, uh, distraught. Really upset. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, uh, when John Bell, uh, was picked in the expansion draft by City and had to leave the New England revolution. Yeah. Rose fans really liked him. him.
2: So that makes me think yeah. that we got someone good. So I'm interested
0: to see what he's got. And he played a lot last year, so he's got experience on the level. Uh, I think most of it was as a fullback last year, but he's, it really is a center back. So he's a big option. We'll see what he's got. Um, another bit of news coming out, not on the field, but uh, about watching the field. St. Louis City just announced, uh, I believe it was yesterday on Tuesday, uh, we're recording on Wednesday afternoon, just to be transparent about it all. Yep, they announced on Tuesday they're going to s- the start of single match ticket sales. Been a lot of fans asking about this, and now we have a timeline that we can, uh, you know, count on. Uh, they The single, single match tickets will be available to the General Republic general republic <laughs> <laughs> what are we living in california now? <laughs> california california only for california one uh, yeah. they'll be available the to new the new california general republic public. <laughs> yeah. they'll be available to the general public starting on february 2nd of well not this year as you'd imagine uh season ticket members and my city plus members will have early access uh, for premium season ticket members, that will begin on January 24th at 10 a.m. Uh, regular season ticket members uh, will be on January 28th at 10 a.m. And for My City Plus members, January 31st at 10 a.m. My City Plus members have a short window here; as all pre-sales will end January 31st at 11:59, just prior to the stroke of midnight. So if you're looking to gather extra tickets, uh, if you're a season ticket owner, if you're a Plus member and don't have your season tickets, here's your chance to get ahead. Or if you're just someone else that doesn't have tickets, but you got games that you would like to see, uh, here's your opportunity and here's your windows to take advantage of all that. And uh, it's a real sign that the season's getting really close when they start putting out uh, single match tickets.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that that window for My City Plus members seems really slim, but then I also have a feeling that if they left that open until February 2nd, there wouldn't be any tickets left <laughs> by the time that the general public pre- uh, sale went around. I've got a feeling that a lot of these games are going to go pretty fast.
0: Yeah, My City Plus not only is an opt-in option, but if it was someone that um had put down their 50 dollar deposit on the first day when they were making uh reservations i would say the time stamps and they were late they could keep their uh, 50 dollars in and automatically be my city plus members and we know for a fact that there is tens of thousands of those people that tried uh, that opted in for uh season tickets but weren't able to obtain them so mm-hmm. you're right yeah. If they let it go all the time with My City Plus, there wouldn't be any others it's the, extra. Yeah, out it's there. the
2: same thing that if everybody who applied for season tickets got them, it would only be season ticket holders at these games. There would be no general admission.
0: Yeah. On that and uh no word on any allotments allowed for uh visiting uh fans and supporters that are coming into the pit uh this upcoming season. You're still on and that for train those, though. <laughs> Still am. Oh, Still yeah, I'm,
1: I am very much also on the on the side of calling it the pit. Yeah, it'll look like a
0: little bit of hell down in the pits of hell when those red lights come on at the start of the game and the introductions are done. Yeah, I think it should be called the pit. And uh, another interesting thing, for those that uh, don't have their season tickets, won't be able to obtain uh, the single-match ticket sales for home games or just want to join with friends... To watch the away matches, uh, St. Louis City SC and Michelob Ultra have announced what they're calling City on Tap. This is an effort to grow the number of watering holes, showing and highlighting soccer uh, around the city, and also a way to inform fans of where they can go to be amongst uh, like-minded people that want to go out and watch the games. Uh, This will be the official network of St. Louis City SC bars and restaurants, uh, I have seen out on Reddit, Facebook, other places, there's been many questions from fans about where they can go and watch city games both home in a way. All the businesses, of course, are able to be showing the games because of the MLS season pass. Uh, MLS's agreement with Apple to have them all on Apple TV+. Um any of the bars and restaurants will get to certain amounts of perks, including exclusive oper- offers and opportunities from City and Mick Ultra. Exclusive otters. otters. Yeah, otters. <laughs> Wait, we're
1: getting otters. That's it. I'm calling <laughs> yeah. right now. That needs to be our mascot. It needs to be an otter. And we we need we need to call our team the otters. It's yep. it's I'm I'm cementing this now. Everyone, join me. Let's start a Facebook pro you know a, a a Facebook poll and make sure it happens. <laughs> you
0: know what you. We need a we need real jerseys, official club jerseys made for otters too to go along with this. Uh, <laughs> man, that is a perk if you get an otter. Uh, you get marketing support and use of the official city on tap designation. You can put that on your otter as well, and, and uh, you know they start these things up. MLS really knows marketing. They know how to manipulate and uh, exploit every niche out there possible. Uh, the club is out there actually asking bars and restaurants to go ahead and register, tell them, you know, why they should be part of this uh, special club. It's all online. And no date has been given for the anticipated revealing of the official lists of the official places that have been designated by the club where you as a fan can walk in and enjoy a beverage while watching the home team. Yeah. Uh, th- that was all a very
2: long-winded way of saying that it. it's it's essentially like the St. Louis Blues have for this bar bleeds blue, just with a better name. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will say that like having a list of places that are going to be showing the games is going to be handy because while I saw some people complaining about it on Twitter, being like, "Oh, you know, moving to streaming only is going to kill what you know people trying to watch at bars and stuff," and it's like, I don't really think that's true because. If a bar wanted to show it, they can just go buy, like, a fire stick and plug it into the TV. But I have a feeling that a lot of bars are not actually going to do that unless people ask. So having this list where you kind of have a pretty good idea that you're going to be able to see the game is a good idea.
1: Yeah, we've definitely talked about it before. You know, we were worried about how fans were going to see the games for away games and... Uh, how we were going to watch games if we couldn't make it to the stadium. Because unfortunately, not everyone can be in the stadium. It's not like we're playing at the Edward well, and Jones also, Dome times three or anything. Not everyone so. can
2: be inside Amsterdam
1: either. <laughs> This is also true, but having this list is going to be handy. It's going to be nice, and hopefully there are some that are outside of this actual city limits and actually out here in the county and into St. Charles so that people in the surrounding areas can actually watch games close by them instead of traveling basically down to the stadium to watch a game two blocks away from them but on a TV.
2: I'm, I'm curious if there's going to be any interest in it, but I'm pretty sure for the Blues, there's a This Bar Bleeds Blue in Manhattan, so... If there's yeah. any interest in it, I'm hoping that they have ones even just outside of St. Louis entirely.
1: Wait, it's like possible. Manhattan, Kansas? No, Manhattan, or New, or New York. New York. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Manhattan, Kansas would make sense because there's a an official B- Bleed Blue Bar downtown KC. But
2: yeah, no, there, oh, there's, yeah. A blues say, bar in, there's a blues bar in New Sean... York. Just some transplant that really liked the blues and opened a bar. <laughs>
1: You sick. say Manhattan and uh, Sean immediately goes to Kansas. <laughs> hey, man, I used to live on that side of the state for four years. Very important formative years of my life. OK, we've all seen the effects of it. And I'm still recovering and unpacking all of the trauma that I that I took in in those four years on on the wrong side of the state. On the other
2: hand, this is the first time that I've learned that there is a Manhattan, Kansas.
1: That's where Kansas State is. Yeah, I don't care. Yep. <laughs> just alienated the enti- an entire half of the state <laughs> with that one it's fine <laughs>
0: nobody told mason that geography was going to be involved in podcasting
1: (laughs) well i mean he is from missouri where we also have cuba mexico um and and a bunch of other international cities and country names in our state so like don't don't tell me you didn't expect
2: don't get me started on new madrid i'm still angry about that pronunciation (laughs) (laughs) have you
1: have you heard about nevada though we have nevada missouri i'm leaving I'm leaving the podcast. (laughs) I'm going to go. No, Mason, come back. I'm
0: going to
2: go live in the woods.
0: (laughs) Come join me in my cave. (laughs) There you go. And uh, I think that's enough conversation about this, I have to say. (laughs) But uh, anything else that you guys heard with the city news for this week? Uh, Actually, a little bit more coming down this week after the uh, Martin Luther King holiday. But that's uh, the main stuff that we have for you. But we've got something else exciting. And, uh, you know, here at Soccer Capital, we like to say that we're here to support the supporters. And at that end, we we want to go out and talk to some of the supporters groups before City's first season begins. So listeners that don't have an affiliation can decide uh, if they want to join in and uh, really be part of all the fun surrounding the club. And first off, we were very happy to talk to no nap city ultras and without further ado let's listen to that conversation well we're very happy to have no nap city ultras with us today to talk about their supporters group and uh, you know what they have going on and let everybody know and uh why don't you both uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners
3: well i'm gina i'm actually the creative director um, I handle anything that has with the graphics or the website or pretty much anything that's got a logo on it. I handle.
4: And I'm a uh, Mark. I'm a social media guy, pretty much the face of the franchise, so to speak. Just kidding.
3: <laughs> <laughs> He's our director of He's awesome. Director of Austin. There you, there you go. <laughs> that's what we call him.
0: Dating title. Well, we're very happy to have you with us, Gina and Mark. And, uh, Let's get down to some questions, just some basic information. We'll start off with, uh, you know, who are the leaders of your group? I'm assuming you're here, oh, so it's going to be, be include a couple of you.
3: Yep, that would be Mark and I. We're actually the founders. Um, we we don't like to use the term like CEO or president. We kind of like to keep it fun. So that's why we call Mark the director of Awesome. And I'm the connoisseur of Pantone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Do you have those titles all in capital letters like City does?
3: (laughs) (laughs) We do have them on our website, but I don't, I I don't think they're capitalized. They may be actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, how many members do you have in the group at this time?
3: roughly right now we're thinking about 60 and that does include kids. They do count as members as sure. they
1: should, obviously. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and how did people reach out to you, uh, you know, online, uh, like, do you have a website, do your social media presence, what do you have for, uh, our listeners with that? Yeah, I can jump
4: in on that. I pretty much handle that. So, well, actually Gina has been amazing working with our website, getting that up and running. It's dot uh, com which has got all of our information a little bit about us and our match day experience, what to expect, stuff like that. Um, As far as people reaching out to us, it's been a lot of Instagram and Twitter where you can always find us at. Um, We just recently started a Facebook page, kind of testing the waters there. But really the most overwhelming has been through Instagram.
1: And what's the handle for the Instagram? Um, That is no nap city ultras, I believe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just making sure we get the actual name out. So (laughs) it's a little easier for everyone to find you. And uh,
0: let you tell it in your own words. uh, What exactly is your group all about? It's a fascinating uh, idea that you have.
4: Well, we're basically just about like connecting the families to the sport. I mean, we've seen so many people make memories at every match with their children that we were like, this is just, this is perfect. We want to get them into the supporter section. You know, once they are there and they start chanting along with the chants and everything, and they're talking about it their days later, like that's what we want. We want everybody to come away with like just a memorable experience and be like, wow, I want to come back again and again and again. And I want to stay in the supporter section,
0: ideally. That's fantastic.
3: Well, that actually came from Mark. <laughs> well, I was pregnant with uh, Zoe in 2020 during COVID. And, um, after you know after i had her in september she had a really nasty habit of like skipping her naps and so mark would go and get her and he'd come out and he would be like well she's a member a member of no nap city ultras again today so it was like a joke for (laughs) geez for quite some time and then when we finally realized we're getting an mls team here he's like do you want to maybe bring that to life and i'm like sure why not so we ended up just Taking the name and running with it, so little you
1: anecdote. Know,
3: and uh, it just came from a baby that is, not want to take her naps.
0: And it's well, pretty obvious. But uh, what what's the type of fan that would your group appeals to the most? You would say
4: I'd probably say like the newer fans, the fans that have like you know the children. I mean, like obviously like fourteen, fifteen. You know, they're going to be wanting to come too. But we're looking for the younger kids and the parents that, you know, maybe haven't been to a match yet. And, you know, that's, that's our ideal focus group because it's easier when you have people that are like, oh, don't worry, you know, this is going to be fun, you know, and we'll help you through any questions you might have. It makes it easier every single time. So really those are the kind of ideal, like, fans we want to get that haven't exactly gotten to experience this yet. Like, we haven't. Like, this is all new to all of us, this MLS level of competition. And so standing there and seeing our children just, like, in awe And realizing we're the same way looking at the same exact thing is kind of special.
0: And it kind of sounds like uh, that commodity is one of the main benefits that members of your group would have. But is there any other uh, main benefits that you have for uh, people that want to join No-Nap City Ultras?
4: Well, we've been um, working with the Union Station frequently, just trying to get things going for when the actual season starts. And they've been uh, gracious enough to offer us a place in their plaza which will be right by the uh, koi pond and the fish pond, like almost like, you know, a few feet away from the wheel. So that's where we're probably gonna be at for the majority of the time. And with that comes a little bit of bonuses for our members where we do have a membership card that is on its way. And that'll entitle some uh, percentage off of all the different shops, restaurants and everything, including the aquarium and all that. It's, you know, this entire area, but not just the wheel. So we've been blessed to have that opportunity and we're gonna continue to work with them. and. There's going to be a lot of exciting things
0: to come. And uh, that leads me into uh, another question. Uh, it would, the members to your group, what, what are they going to experience on game days? So you've got the place there in the plaza, so you have your location. Uh, kind of walk through what you're expecting uh, for game days with the group.
3: Well, We're really hoping that the families come out, come to Union Station, have fun, you know, grab something to eat and hang out with us. And then we're going to march from the wheel all the way down and meet up with the other SGs. So we're going to offer a march. We're going to have flags and get the kids going. And, and we want them to have fun. We want them to experience that supporter group culture, you know, the march, the singing, the chanting. And at the same time, we want the families to have the ease of, you know, letting the kids have fun before the game, enjoy the aquarium, hang out in the fish pond, You know, and just hang out with the group and just
4: have fun. And also, I'd like to add on to that as well, that we're in a good situation with the march that we do have going on. It goes right by the East Plaza. So there's a lot of opportunity to catch people that might not have even seen a march yet. They can jump in on that march as well and be like, you know what? That was kind of fun. I want to do that next time, too. So we try to bring the atmosphere of just overall fun, like excitement. And try and get that caught on, even to the people that are just standing at the gates waiting to get in as we come marching by. And then we follow up, meeting up with the rest of the SGs and make the grand entrance. So there's going to be a lot of fun and excitement going on, and we can't wait for it.
0: Oh, that all sounds really good. Got me all excited. Can't (laughs) wait for opening day in March 4th. Maybe you're like me, though. You're expecting a mild winter until the uh, cold snap in March. It'll start about March 4th, unfortunately. Uh, Oh, Midwest. Don't really want to relive that Leverkusen from Lee.
1: (laughs) You know, it wouldn't have been so bad if it wasn't so windy. It was the wind that was the killer in true (laughs) Midwestern style.
4: Yeah, you can never tell with the St. Louis weather what it's going to be like. It could be beautiful. Next week, it would be just blizzard. Who knows? That's part of the fun.
3: No, and, and I've lived it's here fitting, since at least. <laughs> I lived here since twenty twenty and I am still not used to it. It's crazy.
1: I've lived here all my life and I'm still not used to it. <laughs> <laughs> you never get used to it. <laughs> um yeah, if do you guys have any like really memorable memorable moments so far in the in the lead up to this inaugural season, be it at like at a game out at uh, out at Ralph Cordy? Um, maybe the Leverkusen game—you guys did something special. I don't know uh, any like just a couple of big memorable moments that you know really you can put a stamp on it saying this is what we're all about and this is what we want to continue to do going forward.
3: I I know at the SLU, the slew matches, um, we met up with a lot of families that were kind of a little apprehensive about you know coming over to because they didn't quite know what was going on, and to <laughs> walk up to them and talk to them and to see their faces and the kids get excited um, was something I've I've I really enjoyed that moment and we let them carry the flag in for one match in the very beginning of the march and the kids were just really excited they never had anything to do with soccer for the most part or supporter groups and for them to like look around and see the drums and flags and their faces at SLU that was just amazing I I really enjoyed that that was one of my favorite moments is watching kids see something for the first time and just be in awe and want to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, we all get a kick out of watching the kids ex- do that too and watching them experience it. It's a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, I
4: think also that conference final game was something special too to see the stadium just rocking the way it was. That was, that was a beautiful sight, and that was a little bit of a glimpse into the future. So it was amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but it'd be nice to have a playoff game in the first year, but a home playoff game, but I'm not going to hold my breath in an expansion year, but it
1: could happen. Stranger Uh, things have definitely happened in this league. Yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, One thing I'm excited to talk to you about um, is uh, your merchandise. I've seen some (laughs) of it uh, around online. Give me a, you know... Give us a little idea of what kind of merchandise you have and uh way people can get a hold of it and uh, the creation of your your wonderful little uh, logo or uh, your character that you have set up.
3: Well, the character, we call him Tiki Taka. I actually came up with him uh, just out of the blue. I'm I'm graphic designer. So when I worked from home and I was fiddling around and I was told Mark, I'm like, what do you think of this? And I started to kind of draw. And it just came up and he loved it. And we ch- we tweaked it a little bit and ended up with him the way he is. And we really didn't know if we could ever make a plushie because it's kind of hard to do. And lo and behold, now we have a closet full of all these little plushies and People love it and they don't know what it is. And I love it that they don't know what it is. And um, we get all, some people think it's like a, a little devil, but I can't even tell you what it is. <laughs> I call it an imp. He's
1: just a funky little yeah, guy. He <laughs> just looks like a funky little guy who missed a nap. There you go. <laughs> it, that's, that's, <laughs> that's really that. the vibe I get from it.
3: Yeah, he is. And that's why he has, and I think I was a little inspired um by like the sleepiness parents feel from having a kid all night long so i made the eyes kind of goofy like it's almost in a daze <laughs> <laughs> but it's become like our main brand um we use, use him on pretty much everything um, right now we have we've had two scarfs. we released a scarf last summer um, and it ran very limited with them and then we came out with another one that has the wheel on it, which is um plays, you know, homage towards the wheel at Union Station. Um, and we have the, Mark, what's it? The tiki-taka bundle? Yeah. That we do offer on our website that includes um, the plushie and some stickers and a, a little clear bag for uh, the kids to use to go into the stadium.
0: Fantastic,
4: and there That's great. There might also be um, a new scarf that, if you were to look around on our website, you would probably see it that we will be releasing. That'll be one of our scarves we'll have on hand at all times for this, this inaugural season. So, a little bit of a Easter egg there. If you guys want to go digging for it, you might find something. <laughs>
3: Ooh! Yeah, we
1: actually it. perfect. Yeah. now we've got. We've Let got me get my n- my uh, my '90s cap on. Go off go full <laughs> MySpace, get into the code, and start digging around. It won't be that difficult.
3: <laughs> yeah, if you look at it, it's a it's a little different compared to what we've done. Um, it does have a Hawaiian theme to it, um, but that's because we wanted to sort of look like uh, an old '70s greetings card, like a, a bumper sticker. So it kind of played off of this Hawaiian theme and we ended up calling it the happy hour scarf.
1: <laughs> that sounds fantastic.
0: <laughs> it sure does. And, uh, we're really excited to have you come on and talk about your group and giving us some time and letting our listeners know about you. Uh, I've got a big question for you. Uh, if folks are interested in joining no nap city ultras, um, uh, how can they get in touch with you? How? What's the process of uh, joining the group?
3: The best part to join a group is to go to the website. We actually actually have a membership page at uh, nonempcityalters dot com, and uh, the membership is free to our group. We don't charge. Um, we anybody can be a member. Uh, the only thing we do we like to keep a contact list, you know, so we can send emails. We'll know, but. Um. We welcome anybody to join. Uh, you don't have to have kids. Most of our members do have children, but, you know, anybody can come along and be part of the fun.
0: No, that is great. That's great to hear. And uh, we really look forward to it. Uh, no nap City Ultras, uh, one of the uh, many supporters groups that we'll see at... Uh, St. Louis City games upcoming. I want to thank you, Gina, and thank you, Mark, for coming on and uh, sharing your story with us. It's been a well, lot of fun. thanks for having us. Really enjoyed it.
4: Yeah,
1: thank you. You're very awesome. welcome. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have
0: a great
4: night.
1: Thanks for coming on. Loved hearing from you guys. Definitely. Bye, guys.
0: Take care. A big thank you to Nonap City Ultras for that uh, for that information. That's very, uh, very interesting, I must say, and uh, useful. Anybody is interested in what they do, please reach out to them, and uh, we're hoping to bring you more such uh, information from supporters groups in upcoming episodes. And uh, now's the part of the show as uh, St. Louis City SC gets ready to, for their very first season in MLS, to do a little catch-up on what's been going on with other teams within MLS,
1: and to give us a rundown it's Sean Campbell. All righty, everybody and MLS listeners and beyond. We got, we've got some big news, some in case you missed it moments from the last about month and a half, two months, almost of transfers. That's really all we have so far, just because it is off season. It's transfer window time. It's preseason. That's what we got. Um, biggest news. We'll start right off at the top. Joseph Martinez was officially released by Atlanta United and signed very quickly. I might add, he signs with Inter Miami. It has become official and the hundred hundred goal scorer with Atlanta is now going to be oh what's what are they are they the uh, the the flamingos now is that their thing the oh, her- herons the herons They're the herons. herons that makes more sense it's a it's a bird with long legs that's also semi aquatic um, <laughs> so is Joseph Martinez funnily enough <laughs> <laughs> he hides
0: it well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well as god is my witness i saw. i thought joseph is could fly
1: <laughs> well just a little bit of a, just a little bit about about this this signing it won't will not be a dp contract in a, in miami as it was in atlanta but a lot of that has to do with atlanta holding on to a lot of his his salary um see tim parker for a similar situation there um But yeah, 100 goals for Atlanta. Great to see. And Miami really picks up an absolutely glorious signing up front. Yeah. And uh, Joseph Martinez continues to be able to
0: tease the rival Orlando City all the time. Uh, He has 103 goals in 144 appearances with Atlanta. Uh, He was unhappy with the direction of the team, as were a lot of fans (laughs) and outside observers over the last couple of years. um, Had a serious knee injury. He hasn't come back in nearly the same shape he is, but uh, big knee injuries can take time. And it's very possible that uh, he can pick up where Gonzalo Higuain left off in the last half of last season. And... uh, find himself in uh, good positions and scoring a lot of goals, which he was not finding the opportunity
1: of in Atlanta lately. Moving along, we've got moving from within the league to moving outside of the league. We've got John Duran being sold from Chicago fire on to Aston Villa of the premier league. Uh, this deal is it's reportedly 18 million plus up to 4 million with incentives being met. Um, This is tied with Davies for the second largest outgoing transfer. Alfonso Davies for the second largest outgoing transfer in MLS history. Uh, Number one being uh, Miguel Almiron from previously mentioned Atlanta United. Uh, John Duran only played one season in MLS. He's very young. What is he, 20 years old, 19 years old, something like that? Absolutely. Yeah, he's pretty young. Absolutely just very, very well very well-grown talent and seeing the products of academies moving up and moving on to better leagues and getting more money into the league to spend on other players and uh he's a u22
0: initiative if you remember back to our dojo talking about these roster rules uh this has been underutilized but this is where it pays off you sign these guys a fairly high contract, you get to save on their roster cap hit, and then you try to develop them and sell them off for a big, uh, you know, profit, which is kind of what Chicago has done in this case, and good on them. They didn't want him to leave. They want him to stay another year, but you don't pass up this kind of money. And pretty good uh, last six uh, months or so for the fire. As of uh, last August, they moved on Gaga Selena to Chelsea, For a base of ten million plus five more million in add-ons, that's a lot of cash. Now it's time to see if
2: uh, Chicago can turn twenty million dollars into a team that's worth jack.
0: But unfortunately, cash doesn't uh, isn't the uh, preferred monetary unit in MLS. They only get to turn about two million of all that cash into GAM. But they can go out and sign somebody if they got a DP slot. But will they sign the right person? That's always the problem for Chicago. We'll see yeah. how it
1: goes. But they can still take some of that extra money and use it as a signing fee from someone outside of the league, can't they? they? They don't have to just use GAM for that. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. They can. Ab- they can yeah. develop their academy more. They can work on uh, fixing their stadium situation. Um, or, you know, that's enough money to go out and sign somebody you going to work and you can afford a mistake unfortunately vancouver tried that when they uh offloaded uh, alfonso davies and they just kept making mistake after
1: mistake so uh we'll see the future will hold well it still looks like a very bright future for for fans like tio luis to you know look forward to something seeing the you know the fruits of their their academy and you know there's money to be put back into the club um speaking of a you know going the Opposite direction from Premier League to MLS now. We've got Matthias Klisch signing with DC United from Major Leeds Soccer. Leeds United, for those that don't know the, the joke there. Uh, this will be a DP contract for the midfielder and Polish international. Uh, very exciting signing for DC United. And let's see if he can come in and really turn some things around from this very, very experienced player. Yeah, he kind of fell out of favor with Jesse Marsh
0: there in Leeds, but he could still play. And uh, he had a very big part in them working themselves up to promotion of the Premier League. Let's uh, see if he can, uh, how that translate to MLS. It's always the question uh, for many players uh, when they come over is, can they translate? Can
1: they handle the travel and the climate? Uh, we'll see. Well, it seems like part of that falling out of favor was due to the f- it's meteoric rise almost of Tyler Adams coming in and absolutely revitalizing that squad but you know that's either here nor there we're a little bit biased because you know we we love our tyler adams here uh coming back to mls matt hedges is officially signed with toronto fc through 26 2026 this is a pretty high tam deal and it's it seems like toronto is trying to shore up their absolute uh swiss cheese that is their defensive line well they
0: can't hurt um I don't know how much he's going to help Toronto. Probably he's going to hurt the loss in FC uh, Dallas more than he'll help Toronto because Toronto's defense is kind of sad right now. But, you know, Tim Parker was a quite good player with the Red Bulls and couldn't work any miracles in Houston. Uh, change of scenery could really help him here. Let's see if
1: Matt Hedges getting a little long in the tooth is what Toronto needs. But he's a good one. Moving along, we've got another incoming transfer here. This one is big. Enzo Capetti transfers from racing in Argentina and he goes to Charlotte FC. This will be a DP contract. Uh, the last season in Argentina, Enzo put up 26 goals, six, 21 goals, six assists in 47 games. Uh, he joins Swiderski and, and Yoziak up front for Charlotte and they look Pretty dangerous an attack, just looking at those three up front, to be quite honest.
0: Yeah, and uh, their super draft pick from last year, Ben Binder, showed well early until he hit the college wall as the season progressed. Uh, he could add to that as well. Uh, I know Charlotte and outside observers are pretty high on Capetti. Uh, We'll see how fast he adjusts to MLS, but one thing about picking up players from South America, especially Argentina, they tend to pick up the game in MLS very, very quickly and are quick out of the gates. So, we'll see how that works for Charlotte. If Charlotte can pull something off here,
2: then that's kind of a good sign for us, if we can follow in their footsteps, because Austin did really well their second season. Charlotte's statement shaping up to maybe pull something off here,
0: so... This this trend that's circulating amongst expansion teams is promising. And even Nashville, who started off with a very good first year, improved quite a bit in their second as well. So uh, that's what you're hoping for. We've got a system and a philosophy, and we're accumulating players that can play it. Now they just got to learn how to play together. Uh, we're
1: hoping for the best, aren't we? It's what spring is for. Yeah, it definitely seems like expansion clubs kind of come in with an idea of what they want to do that first year and then the second year they make tweaks to see what worked and what didn't work. And then things really start to stick and it, you know, it really starts to kick on for them. It's not not quite the same as someone like FC Cincy that moves into the league from a, pro- you know, moving up from USL and they're like we need to make sure that we need to prove that USL can compete and now we ju- they just prove that they can't and be what's the word? Abysmal for several years. <laughs> yeah the Charlotte got hurt because they had everything set up their first
0: uh, start with their coach what was it uh Angel Ramirez uh who they had to let go, so now they gotta recover and try to fit personnel into a different style, but they seem to be recovering well, and they had a pretty good first year all in all for an expansion team um uh, but it does seem that teams that have a hard philosophy of how they wanna play um get better get up to speed in MLS much quicker than teams like FC Cincinnati and Minnesota that didn't really seem to have a hard-on playing style uh, baked into uh, the development of the club.
1: Keeping it in the Eastern Conference, though, we do have a couple of long-tenured players moving on from their club. NYCFC and the Pigeons lose two absolute legends in this window. They lose both Ebert and Maxi Morales. Maxi Morales goes to the aforementioned Racing in Argentina, stating that it's time for him and his family to move home. Bear ends up going to Seattle Sounders, and that deal was for 400 k in GAM with 150 k extra in incentives.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, NYCFC is full of talent, but they've had a lot of talent walking out the door. And Morales is the heart and soul of the way that they have played. But he's getting pretty long in the tooth, and it might be time for him to move back home. A uh, bear, kind of pushed out of a starting role. He's a good player. He's a good striker. Going to the Sounders, pretty good deal for both sides there, and I think he'll have a chance to perform well in Seattle. So that's a good trade for them. We'll see. We'll look harder at NYCFC when we break down uh, MLS previews a little closer to the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like things have kind of gone downhill for NYCFC since they lost Tati, and uh they there hasn't been as much positive as I would have liked to have seen from them moving on from these, you know, talismans, if you will. And it looks like they're going to be throwing a lot on the
0: shoulders of young Tagnus Mallow uh Talis Magno. Um uh, And it looks like he's got the talent to do it, but he's young and he's got some development, so we'll get to watch him uh, develop right in front of our eyes this upcoming season.
1: Absolutely. Trial by fire, it seems. Um, But moving along from another transfer out out of the New York area will say Aaron Long ends up signing a big deal with LAFC and LAFC just they can't keep getting away with it. It's like they're trying (laughs) to be the new Sounders and it's working and I hate it. Man, they they already got got the cup. (laughs) Yeah, they
0: got Giorgio Calini still, I believe. And uh, when is Mamadou Falls loan over? Crikey, there's some talent on that squad.
2: Mamadou Fall uh, is slated to come back from his loan in June, so. Oh, boy.
0: Uh, The rich just keep getting richer, don't they?
1: Yeah. Man, talk about champagne problems out there at LAFC.
0: What problems even?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's it's
0: just champagne out there. (laughs)
1: I got a question about
0: Aaron Long's haircut, because that's clearly Jersey Shore, and he's going to be a long way away from the Jersey Shore upcoming.
1: Well, Aaron Long did grow up in L.A. This is his first time coming back to play professionally in his hometown, though, for his, well, not quite hometown team. They only had the Galaxy when he was coming up, but still, it's, there's, you get that, you've got the championship hangover for the team. He might be the hardest worker and actually outshine some players on the squad. Who knows? yeah who knows moving along we've got another defensive signing we've got Brad Smith signing with Houston Dynamo from DC United um I, I mean i'm i'm not as familiar with Brad Smith as i would like to have been uh but it definitely seems like a solid signing for Houston who probably needs a little bit of help on that back end and dc letting go of really a a, a great player in, in from what i've the limited amount i've seen of him
0: uh Brad Smith uh Yeah, with the Sounders, not a real defensive fullback, but one that really pushes up and very, very fast. Uh, Can't hurt. Uh, Can't hurt Houston much. (laughs) It's pretty hard to hurt Houston much, to be honest. But Houston's picking it up. He's already dead.
1: (laughs) This is a good signing for them. We'll see how he kicks on there and if he can actually work wonders that are going to be left by... uh, Who who was it that... The, the what defender ended up leaving Houston? I think he may or may not have come here. Um I don't know.
0: Uh, yeah Tim Parker, didn't we
1: mention him earlier? I I you know I don't think I'm familiar with that name. That you know I, I no, don't know. he who used that to is. play
0: used to play in uh the back for uh New
1: York Red Bulls with Aaron Long. Oh, a oh, a little oh town that you've guy never that...
2: heard of called New
0: York.
1: <laughs> oh that guy. Okay. Yeah no I'm yeah. sure we don't need to talk about him. We've never talked about him before in our lives. <laughs>
0: And what's the Red Bulls? What the Red Bulls have to do with City anyway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like we're going to be compared to
1: them all season or anything. Yeah. Moving back up to to New York, though, for Red Bulls, Kyle Duncan actually comes home and gets loaned back to them for a year from Belgian side Oostende. I believe that's how you pronounce that. Uh, but this looks like to like a, a very solid bring back for them. Uh, I don't. I don't know if the loan didn't. You know, if the loan's got a permanent sell at the end of it, I haven't seen that. But uh, definitely bringing him back is going to help them for sure on that back end.
0: One thing you can look at with MLS loan deals is they almost always have a buy-in option in the clause in the contract. And uh, Duncan looks like he could be a big star, young younger guy. But uh, if he stuck around MLS for a little bit... Uh, But he doesn't seem to be getting the playing time over in Europe he anticipated when he went over. So this could help him, could push him forward.
1: In other news, we're going to keep it in the Eastern Conference. Seems like the Eastern Conference is doing a lot of movement this year. Uh, This one's not so much movement as it's just a promotion. If you will, uh, Daniel Gojdog actually gets elevated to a DP level contract through 2026, and that's very well deserved after seeing everything he's put put on that pitch for that team for the last couple of years and how instrumental he is in that system they play in Philly. Everything goes through him. He's got offensive talent. We know what Gojdog brings to the table.
0: Yeah, hard to believe he wasn't already a DP the way he's played. How smart are they in Philadelphia to get all those years out of him without paying him the big bucks?
1: Well, now he's just getting the pay he deserves. Mm-hmm. And earned. Speaking of pay pay that they deserve, we've got a couple of outgoing transfers from CF Montreal that, if you haven't heard about these, you may as well have been living under the proverbial MLS rock. Uh, they've been talked about since mid-season. Uh, Ismael Kone and Alistair Johnson get transferred out to Watford and Celtic, respectively. Um, I know we've talked about these in the past. They've been rumored for a long time. But good on those guys for finally getting the transfers out. And I, I think Johnston was actually transferred out midseason and they just loaned back for the rest of the season. I could be wrong. I might be thinking of Georgie Mihailovic. But either way, losing those two players to that absolutely dominant CF Montreal team that we saw this year, I don't know if they're going to be able to bounce back much.
0: Well, they lost their coach. They've lost a lot of other talent off the team. Kone is, these are both Canadian nationals. Uh, Kone's just a young stud. It's not surprising to see him go, uh, even all the way to a place like Watford. Johnston has earned it, uh, and uh, Montreal's back to rebuilding again. Uh, see how they do this year again. Well, we'll look at them a little closer when we do our uh, MLS previews.
1: An ever-going cycle of growing, getting good for a couple years, then rebuilding, such is the nature of North American sports. Couple last-minute transfers for you. We've got Joao Matinho moving on from Orlando on a free transfer to Spezia in Serie A. Yeah, he I
0: don't think he really kicked on Orlando like they expected, so uh Orlando's having a very good off-season and uh Moving him is part of it, just uh, moving him out to get other people in. Uh, again, in Orlando, sometimes it looks good on paper, but doesn't play out on the field. Uh, that's the joy of watching the games.
1: That just seems to be how Orlando's worked out the last year or two Is it looks good on it. You know, transfer looks good on paper, but the team just doesn't perform. Um, LAFC bring in another aging Premier League product or European product in the backup keeper from Everton, Eldon Yakupovic. He hasn't played much at all in the last four or five years, really only getting five, maybe six games over the last couple of years. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see if he plays at all. I mean, especially with the keeper that they've got between the sticks right now. Well, Maxime Capro, if you remember, took that horrific injury late.
0: In MLS Cup. So he looks like he's going to be out for a while. Uh, Maybe, uh, how do you say it? Jakubovic? I said
1: Jakubovic. Yeah, between the two of us,
0: we might be right. But uh, he's probably going to get more games uh, early in the MLS season he had over the last five years.
1: It's really not saying much, considering I think last season he only played four games across all competitions. Yeah, he's playing behind the, uh, you know, England national team starting goalkeeper. So. That, that yeah. kind of
0: limits your opportunities.
1: It's kind of kind of hard to get get you know reps and get minutes when you're playing behind Jordan Pickford. <laughs> what is it with you know Everton having really good keepers? I don't know. That's a different discussion for a different episode of the podcast. They went from an American to a Sunderland boy.
0: Well, what more you got to say?
1: Eh, I mean, next thing you know, they're just gonna throw someone else in there. Either way, though, we'll keep it. We'll keep it with Premier League here, but bringing it to MLS sort of. Charlotte also made another big signing. They brought in Ashley Westwood, an aging 35 year old who most recently played at Burnley, who this season has just got relegated into the championship underneath the Premier League. He spent 10 seasons in the Premier League between Aston Villa and Burnley. And he was been quoted after being in camp for a couple of weeks as saying this, the professionalism, the way they work, the way they train, the hard work we've done so far this first week has been incredible. And then later on goes, goes on to say the work that the staff have done for me, the way it's set up here. It's a proper premier league club. It's something that clubs should be very, very proud of. And I think that speaks volumes, not just to Charlotte, but to the league as a whole that even a an expansion team knows what to do and a Premier Leaguer, a basically lifelong Premier Leaguer, can come in, see this and be like, yep, this is exactly what I'm used to and slot in and doesn't take nearly as long to get used to the system as we've seen in the past for some other big-name players. Yeah, and Burley's a small club
0: in the Premier League, so that's probably a more apt uh, comparison uh, looking at the two, but... Um... Kind of makes you wonder, being a second-year club, if they were in need of uh, an old head around the locker room, uh, amongst a lot of young guys and new incoming internationals. And uh, Ashley Westwood would fit that
1: bill. And going from young from old to young, we've got a club record signing this window. Everybody, RSL have made a club record signing for Carlos Andres Gomez from Millonero. Mioneros. Mionarios in Colombia. It's rumored to be around the $4 million range. I couldn't find an exact number, but that's what we had seen leaked earlier this season. Uh, this is going to be a U22 signing, and he has signed through 2027 with an option for 2028. And this is big, considering the last player they signed for a record, which was Savarino, I believe. Um, but this is going to be another big addition for them. Um, just you utilizing the u twenty two signing and using those buckets to their advantage and getting a very good, very young player. can I put in a request for a u twenty
0: two player from South America, please <laughs> <For City. laughs> Excuse
2: me, waiter. I'm ready to order. I would like one u twenty two player, please. <laughs>
1: It's almost as if Mike has been harping on this for months on end, and we just kind of brushed past it or something. Oh wait,
2: (laughs) waving over the U twenty (laughs) two sommelier. Ah, yes, I think you will very much like the vintage on this one, sir.
1: (laughs) There you go. Absolutely. Well, that about doesn't the cork on that player? (laughs) Oh my God! (laughs) Well, that about doesn't for. (laughs) Doing terroir on a kid from Uruguay. (laughs) Oh, my God. You learn too much. I think that's about it for transfers, then. Let's move on to the last big announcement that I know of for this this month, for this week. And uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation has officially named its Players of the Year for the Men's Group, the Women's Group, and also the Young Players of the Year. And we'll start off with the Players of the Year. The Men's Player of the Year is Tyler Adams. As if anyone expected anything else after that absolutely dominating performance on the squad and leading us through group stage and into the knockouts of the World Cup. Well done, Tyler Adams. Um, on the women's side, we have Sophia Smith. And we've talked about Tyler Adams quite a bit, but let's give Sophia, you know, a little bit of the spotlight that she deserves. Uh, let's just take a look at her resume over the past year real quick. Um she has a te- team leading in 11 international goals in the, in the calendar year of 2022. She was the youngest player to lead the U.S. women's national team to in goal scoring in a calendar year since the 21-year-old Mia Hamm did it in 1993 with 10 goals. So even more dominant than that. Um, she started a team-high 17 matches in 2022 and was second on the team in minutes played with 1,192 on the June 25th game against Columbia, she played the full 90 and broke the nil-nil deadlock with two second-half goals to go on and win that game. Very important, very clutch. She is the youngest NWSL MVP in history. She also played in the NWSL Championship game, got the MVP for that game, leading the Portland Thorns to their third league title. She scored 14 goals in NWSL and ranked second this season and set a new club single-season record, passing Lindsey Horan's record of 13 goals. She was also named to NWSL's Best 11 First Team, and she is just the fourth player to score 10 or more goals for the women's national team and her NWSL team in a single year. The only other players that have done that are Abby Wambach, Sydney LaRue, and Kristen Press. Now, those are some very big names to be in company with, and I cannot wait to see what Sophia can bring to the table going forward, and if she's... It seems like she's set up very well to be a very important leader on this squad.
0: Yeah, and uh, both of these uh, players uh, are still quite young early on in their careers,
1: so that's good news. We also got the Young Players of the Year, and for the men's side, we have Eunice USA Musa and... Jaden Shaw on the women's side, we also know a lot about Eunice Musa. we talked about him at length and his performance in the World Cup, so let's get into Jaden for a little bit, and she was on the squad for the 2022 FIFA Under-20 Women's World Cup in Costa Rica, and the 17-year-old played in all three matches and started two of them. She has seven caps at the U20 level, three goals, and she's scored against Costa Rica, Mexico, and the Netherlands. And the latter two ended up helping the USA win the Ladies' Cup in France. Shaw is age eligible to play on the 2024 FIFA U20 World's w- Women's World Cup again. Um, she spent the last year training with the Washington Spirit. Her rights are currently held by San Diego Wave FC, which signed her in July. On the 17th through the nwsl discovery process she made her nwsl debut on july 30th at soldier field against the chicago red stars and scored her first professional goal which was the game winner just 28 minutes into that match she is the youngest player to score in her first nwsl match and she scored three of her first four matches seven games spanning 378 minutes played, helped the Wave reach the semifinals for the NWSL. Young up-and-coming star for the women's team. Can't wait to see what she brings to the table and how she develops.
0: Yeah, just turned 18 in October. Matter of fact, when she signed with the Waves, the discovery process, there was amendment that allowed, uh, allowed a waiver of the age uh, restriction requirement in the NWSL. That's
1: how good she is. Just 18. So are we wow. going to start calling it the the Shaw Rule, like we called it the Beckham Rule, bringing in the big players? Yeah, it's always a good sign when
2: uh, when a rule has to be changed because of one player.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you when you have a them. rule made about you or made so you can keep playing, you're that good. The Beckham Rule. One last bit. It seems we have for the national teams. Um, Going into January, there's always the non-FIFA-recognized international window for the U.S. and CONCACAF teams where we play some international games. We have our annual January camp, and that roster list dropped today, and there are some interesting bits about it. Uh, It seems there are seven players, not MLS, that are on this list. There's only five players on the list from the World Cup roster And there are some very interesting names that I've seen on this list. Does anyone stick out to you guys specifically? Oh, quite a few. Um,
0: Brandon Vasquez is probably everyone's top of the list. You know, he broke out last year with FC Cincinnati. A little late to actually get involved with the World Cup cycle. Though he might have been needed, even with the short time. Uh, But now's his time to shine. There's a real chance for him to become the number nine for this upcoming uh, four-year cycle leading to the World Cup. It's his opportunity. And, of course, Alejandro Zendejas, uh, coming from Club America, been a big competition, a lot of talk. Will he go with uh, Mexico or uh, the U.S. as he's a dual national? He uh, gets his chance coming to U.S. MNT
1: camp, and uh, we'll see how he decides. I do remember that uh, Zendejas, actually, there was some controversy over his national affiliation. Uh, It seems that Mexico had used him in some friendlies, but there was no actual one-time switch because he had played at both youth levels but had had recently, most recently played for the U.S., hadn't filed for the Switch to play for Mexico, they still utilized him, and so I believe, I could be misunderstanding this, but I believe they then said, you have to play for the U.S. because you didn't file for that, and then he never subsequently filed to end up switching back to then continue to play for Mexico. So just a little uh, dr- added drama. Yeah, I'm not sure,
0: because FIFA has some lenient rules about friendlies and what officially caps you at a certain age. Uh, and how many appearances it takes. I just don't know. Another one on this list is Emmanuel Sabby from Odense. Know anything about him? I don't. I kind of love when they get people show up that are, are completely under my
1: radar. Anybody know anything about him? I don't know anything about him, but I will say there are, what is it, 13 players in this camp that have never played a single game for the senior national team. So there's probably going to be a few of those names on there. Uh, one that stands out in that case is uh,
0: Julian Gressel. There's a reason why he was never called into USMNT camp.
1: He just very, very, very recently became a US citizen, was eligible. Now oh, he's called into camp. That is a sound for sore ears because we desperately need him. Good quality player on the back line, and that's going to give us some much needed depth out there. Now, he's getting a
0: little older now. I'm not sure uh, what age he'll be come to World Cup, but uh, he's getting a chance to play. There's quite a few other ones. Uh, Another one to keep an eye on is uh, John Tolkien of the New York Red Bulls. He used to have the the flock of seagulls hair with the bright white long flowing hair uh, playing for the Red Bulls. He's still very young. Uh, He's in big demand internationally. Uh, He's one to keep an eye on. As well as Paxton Aronson.
1: Oh, uh, we know about Paxton. If he's anything like his brother, Brendan, which we know very much about, I, I think we can expect big things from him. He's already playing over in Europe. He just recently started playing with Eintracht Frankfurt, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But very interested to see what he can bring to the table and if he does have the same engine that his brother does. Um, But also in the midfield, I know we've all been calling for Paxton Pomichol to to join the team, and Paxton PomaCall has joined the team. So here here we get to see him perform at an international level and see what he can actually bring to the table, along with his teammate Paul Ariola, who gets called into this camp after not making the World Cup roster.
0: Yeah, PomaCall, he's so talented, especially with distribution out of the midfield, but uh, so many injuries really held him back. Let's see if he can stay healthy and add something to it. Another one is Eric Williamson. The Portland Timbers uh, coming in. You know, he's been with the uh, U.S. before, but didn't really kick on. Uh, He's also kind of fallen out of favor with Gio Savarese in Portland. Don't know why. Very good player. Big skill set coming out of the deep deep
1: midfield and being able to play the ball forward. So, they get a look. Uh, Yeah. We'll see. I really wish he would have gotten more of a look, and I, I, I... I mean I had him on fantasy for a little while, but then he wasn't playing, so I had to drop him. But no, he 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 definitely seems young and promising, and I can't I, I want to see what he can bring to the table and if he can really help us. Um but again we'll have to see how he does in these two in these two friendlies. Um one name that sticks out to me a lot is Surprise Standout Roman Celentano. Yeah, picked by FC Cincinnati. Goalkeeper picked by FC Cincinnati in last year's Super Draft was supposed to be the backup this year. Got thrust into the starting position very early on in the year, and really did quite well in, the, in between the sticks for him. Kept him in a lot of games, and you know, you you can't expect a keeper to keep a clean sheet when your defense is as porous as that one. Um, that was one thing we knew about Cincinnati going into any game this season was it was going to be high scoring on both sides of the ball. Um, but not a lot of that was on Salentano, but he did really well and deserves this call up. And I'm not sure how much he's going to play because Gaga Solonita is in this camp as well. So we'll see. There's only, I think there's only two games. I think they might play one, one game and one, the other. Um, but I really like to see how, how he's going to do. And if he can keep, on this trajectory that he is on of being a very good, solid young keeper. And we might just have our next generation once, you know, Stefan and Turner age out.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Sean Johnson's on the squad as well. So we'll see how much Solino and Celitano actually play, but, yeah uh, it's it and Celitano, uh, you know, they're fighting over who will be the number one prospect 12 years from now when Turner and Sean Johnson
1: run at
0: the end of their careers and <laughs> uh, we'll
1: see if if Slonina can really kick on in the Premier League and actually you know show up and blow the doors off and be a shutdown keeper like we think he can be who knows he might take that job and be like nope Turner that's mine now and we might have our, our a new number one. Um, but it's always good to have young guys coming up the pipe that are really good, that that put pressure on the old guard mm-hmm. to to keep getting better and stay in top form. Uh, we'll we'll have to see how that goes for sure. And if uh, the January camp, I don't even know if it's an
0: official Feb, uh, FIFA window. I don't believe it so. It is not. It is yeah, not an official see, FIFA window. You never see the players abroad in because the teams just simply won't release them during the club season. Uh, you see a lot of MLSers, Fringers um, on the team trying to get a break in with their clubs but uh, aren't playing a lot so they get a chance to come over and get some work Uh, and uh, it's been known affectionately amongst the players as Camp Cupcake in the past and in the future I'm sure Uh, but it's really especially here with the start of a new World Cup window it's a real chance for players to get a breakout get to be seen and uh, in these cases you'll oftentimes find a, a handful that will You'll be hearing a lot more for the U.S. men's national team uh, in the future you know, over the next four years cycle.
1: Well, that about does it for for the U.S. men's national team. Does anyone else have anything they would like to add to the show?
2: Well, I think last thing is the U.S. women have started their uh, run of friendlies leading up to their World Cup. And they played New Zealand last night. And beat, beat the snot out of them 4-0. Um, it was, yeah, their first friendly in their, their run up to the World Cup starting. And um, nothing doing in the first half. And then in the second half, they poured on four goals in 12 minutes. Uh, Mallory Swanson got a brace. I believe Alex Morgan scored as well. Um, so uh, I know there were a few questions about the women heading into this because I think they're trying to 3 the World Cup. Is that right? Um, people were are not just
0: trying to win again. <laughs> yeah, but
2: uh, it, that is a promising result.
0: <laughs> and of course, New Zealand will be one of the hosts with Australia of uh, the upcoming World Cup for the women. And is that taking place this year? I believe so.
1: I believe, I believe so, so. Yeah, it's it's the year after the men's cup every 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 cycle. That's yeah, something to look
0: forward to. We'll have a lot to talk about with that this summer, though. We're going to be pretty full. You know, our team, after 18 months of this podcast, just bringing up everything in the development of uh, St. Louis City SC, it's finally coming to fruition, and uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about, and we can't wait, and I'm sure you can't either. And it's listeners. almost here. Yeah. And if you're still listening to us, we really want to say thank you. And, and uh, why? We're going <laughs> to sign off. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> too. That could be it. But uh, we're going to sign off for this show, and I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.